welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. As you know, every week, you and I are on a journey together. We have a opportunity to be able to learn from each other, but also to work through this journey that all of us are on in raising daughters in today's society. And it's not always an easy thing, but it's important that we listen, we learn, and we meet other dads that are doing this or have done this before us to be able to learn from them. As men, we're not always the best at asking for help. We're not always the best for building community. And it's important for us to do that because by doing that, we can learn, we can grow, and that's going to help us be the best dads that we can be. So every week I bring you different guests, different people that have gone through this journey ahead of you. And today we got another great guest. Kenneth Braswell is with us today. And Kenneth is a father of five, and he has a bonus as well. So I'm going to say a father of six, four girls, two boys. All of his girls are out of the house. They've grown and flown, and they are adults now. But you never stop being a father, even when they're out of the house. And he's got his two sons at home. He has a son, and he's got his nephew, the two boys at home, and he's going through that process too. Outside of all of this, he's got over 25 years of community development experience. He's also the executive director of Fathers Incorporated, which is a nonprofit that serves as a leader in the promotion of responsible fatherhood. And we're going to talk about that today as well. And he's also the author of a children's book, Daddy, There's Noise Outside, which is a book that teaches parents how to speak to their children about protesting injustices in their community. So I'm really excited to be able to have Kenneth with us today to talk to him about fatherhood, to talk to him about his organization, Fathers Incorporated, and a little bit more. Kenneth, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm excited about our conversation. Now, I mentioned you've got four daughters, and I want to start off today by turning the clock back in time. I want to go back all the way to the beginning to that first moment, that first moment when you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? So the first child is one of the experiences that has shaped my career and shaped who I am because I was a 17-year-old young man, had not graduated from high school yet, but had entered the Army. And so came home right after basic training and AIT to my then-girlfriend. And that visit led to the birth of my child some nine months later. And I was in Germany. I was in Stuttgart, Grossaxenheim, Germany. And it was three o'clock in the morning when I got the phone call that she was in labor. And it was just an interesting experience because I was both excited and I was scared at the same time. By that point, I would think I had already turned 18. I'm 18 years old. I'm in the army. I'm 3,000 miles away from my family. And I don't know when they're going to let me come home to see my daughter. I don't know what to do. And so those feelings were, for the best part of me, unknown. Like, I didn't know why I was feeling that way. I didn't know why I was feeling lonely, scared, not adequate, all of those things. And now when I look back on it, part of it was 
I never knew what it was to meet my own father. But having that girl, I've never been that guy. And we've known these guys. I got to have a boy. I got to have somebody to carry on my namesake. And I got to, you know, carry on a family legacy. I have never been that guy. I've always wanted daddy's little girl. I've always wanted daddy's princess. And that's what I got in Tiara, which is why we named her Tiara, because it was the crown of my princess. And so, but she was also the child that I struggled being in her life because her mom and I got married in that shotgun wedding that happened to couples back in the early 80s. We weren't really compatible, didn't know what we were doing. We were married for a short time, but then became divorced. And then my relationship with both her and my daughter became estranged. And it wasn't until she was around 12 years old that I began to come back fully into her life and to begin to prepare repair all of the, what I describe as damage that was done to her as a result of not being in her life. So that first child for me was a little tumultuous in terms of just not ever being settled in being a father of a child, but nonetheless being a father of a child of a girl, but subsequent to her. And then now with her, I figured it out. So I've heard from a lot of dads that there is a fear, a fear of being a father. You kind of mentioned it, being a father. And and especially I hear from a lot of dads with daughters, a fear of raising daughters because of the unknown or other reasons. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters in today's society? My biggest fear now is that there are elements of the world that my presence won't always protect them from. And so an example is I'm like always so fearful when I can't put my hands on them. And these are my grown daughters, right? It's like, where are you? What are you doing? Who are you with? Those kinds of things, because the world is just so dangerous as it relates to girls. You just give you an example. So my daughter and I, my youngest daughter and I went to see Taken. I don't know if you remember the movie Taken. The movie is about a guy who is a spy or high profile superpower dude and his daughter gets kidnapped. And he has to go and rescue his daughter. But the things that he has to do in order to a find her and then get her and return her, scared the living H-E double hockey sticks out of me, right? Because it was, and my daughter is with me and we're watching this movie together. And I said to her afterwards, I was like, man, I was like, I hope I never have to be that in order to save you. That that level of who you have to be as a man to be able to save your daughter scared the daylights out of me. And so it created my paranoia about always knowing where my daughters were, always knowing who they were around, making sure that they checked in when they went out of town, those kinds of things. And so that's my biggest fear you know, with my daughters and they're all grown now. It's not those things about whether or not they're going to read the meet the right man or are they going to get married and are they going to have children? It is safety, safety, safety. And that keeps me up many nights. Now you have four daughters and every child is a little bit different from one another. And as you said, your first daughter was an even different experience and having to rebuild that relationship. As you think about each of your daughters, What would you say is your favorite thing that you enjoy doing with each of them that may be unique in the bond that you've created? 
with Tiara, my oldest, we are still trying to find our space in terms of what is uniquely ours. And so I find pleasure in seeing these elements of who I am show up in her every once in a while, like this entrepreneurial spirit or her humor or her insight or her discernment. These are things that I all know are part of me. And every once in a while, when I see her post something or I see her say something, I'll see that level of wisdom come out of her. And so it becomes a joyful experience to me because I always feel like I didn't put that in you. I planted that in you. And that took time for it to grow and for me to see. My next child, Monica, is an interesting conversation and a whole new podcast in and of itself because Monica was also came about in my military space, but did not know Monica until five years ago and never knew she existed. And so her mom called five years ago uh, when I was still in, in New York and we went through the entire process of, are you serious? I don't know who you are, but all that kind of stuff to going to Salt Lake City where she was at the time and taking the DNA test and finding out that she was actually my daughter. But the cool thing about her is the same thing that's cool about Tiara, which is I didn't spend a lot of time with her, but now that I know her and now that I've going to see her and now I talk to her on the phone and I see her on Instagram, those same elements I see coming out in hers, especially her quick wit. She's like just quick. And so when we talk, we are always laughing. That's our thing. We're Whatever it is we're talking about, we're laughing in the midst of talking about it. So it's something that I really enjoy with her. And she also has an entrepreneurial spirit that she's not working for anybody. She works for a company, but she is always thinking about how to run and start her own business with her husband and my grandson in Salt Lake City. Amber is not my biological child, but she is the child of my wife. But I have been in Amber's life since she was almost six, seven years old. So I'm the only dad that Amber has ever known. And so she has been around me um, the longest. And so the cool thing about Amber is that she is so impressed by my imprint on her in ways that I don't often see. Like, I don't have to chastise her. I've never had to raise my voice to her. I've never had to show any level of anger. Amber is impacted by my disappointment. And so if I ever express to her that I'm disappointed in something that she does, she has an immediate behavior change. Like she'll just change into her thing. And she listens to, I don't think I've ever said anything to her or asked her to do anything that Amber hasn't done. And so, but my biggest moment with her is we were having this conversation one night about finding a husband or finding a boyfriend because she's just, she's 27 years old now and she's living her best life. No kids. She graduated from college. She lives here in Atlanta, has her own car, has her own apartment, goes to Miami, goes all over the place and has fun. And she just loves those things. And so she is the one who always says to me that until I find someone like you, they'll never be good enough. So she makes my inner spirit. And then my last one in Zynga, who's my 23-year-old now, was my game changer in my life. She was the one who came right after Tiara. And she is just me duplicated. 
everything about her is me. She knows when to call. She's got this discernment about when I'm not happy. She she knows when I'm happy. She knows what to say. She knows when to say it. And she's got this entrepreneurial spirit that is on fire times 10 beyond all of the other girls, which is something that I absolutely love about her. And she loves life and she lives life and she does it the way she likes to do it. And those are the things that I love about my girls. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that, Kenneth. Now, I, I want to talk about Fathers Incorporated. I know this is a nonprofit that that you are the leader of, that you are working on. And, and I mentioned the fact that it, it's working on responsible fatherhood. I guess, first and foremost, tell me about the organization and then define for me what responsible fatherhood means to your organization. Fathers Incorporated was created in 2004 with an eye towards assisting fathers who were having difficulty with child support, custody, or parenting time. And when I began doing that work, found very quickly that those three things weren't always the problem. They were symptoms of a larger problem. Larger problems were they were struggling with employment. They were struggling with relationships with the mothers of their children, housing, substance abuse, domestic, those, all of those other things. That if I was going to have an impact on those three things, that I had to impact those other things. And so we began technical assistance and professional development of organizations around the country, working specifically with fathers to help them be able to provide resources and services for fathers who wanted and desire to be in the lives of their children. We also, in the midst of that, became the contractor for the National Responsible Fatherhood Clearinghouse under the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, a contract that we've had now for the last 12 years. So we oversee the national voice in the space of responsible fatherhood for the federal government. And then two years ago, we applied for a grant to provide direct service here in Metro Atlanta for 900 fathers who were looking to find resources and ways to become better influencers in the lives of their children. The Responsible Fatherhood piece for me is really this whole notion that everyone wants to judge men by how they frame the term father, what they believe a father is and who they believe a father should be and what they believe a father should do. The reason that we and I've always thrown responsible in front of it because it's I don't need to define you as a father if I can get you to be responsible. The responsible piece is the key piece in being a father, because if you are a father without being responsible, then you're not going to be a very good father. And so there are ways that I can help you be responsible. I can strengthen you to be responsible. I can build your capacity to be responsible. I can get you more aware of where you're responsible and how you need to be responsible and in what ways you need to be responsible. But I don't need to talk to you about how to be a father because those things you're going to figure out in the midst of your understanding about responsibility and adhering to those things you've created in this world and those things that you are responsible for, including the children that you bring into this world. So one of the things that I guess that I am interested in when we're talking about responsible fatherhood, we're talking about bringing these fathers together. At the very beginning, I talk about the importance of finding community, being able to connect with other dads. So how are you finding your community in this organization? How are you bringing these men together to help them to overcome some of the issues that they may be dealing with in regards to, like you said, to 
whether it's co-parenting or whether it's child support or whether it's employment issues. I mean, there's so many myriad of things that I'm sure that you're dealing with, but how are you bringing those individuals together to help to lift them up and to support them through the challenges that they're struggling with? It really was an epiphany for me one night thinking about how to engage in recruitment of our dads into our programs, knowing that over history, as it relates to social service programs, they've always been designed to work with moms. Well, one of the interesting characteristics when it comes to moms seeking help is that moms more likely in general, they never have to look for their tribe. They always find their tribe first, and then they find their resources within their tribe, and their tribe being other mothers, being women, right, being friends, being family. And so whatever it is they need, they find their needs within their tribe. And when I started thinking about that, specifically as it relates to providing services for fathers, the issue was, do men, do fathers naturally become a part of a tribe? And they don't. We're loners. We're wolves. We're lions. We're tigers. We're bears. We roll alone until we find a tribe. And so for the fatherhood work, what worked successfully for us is making sure that we created a tribe for our fathers, a safe haven, a place where fathers felt comfortable in coming, wanting and needing to be vulnerable in those spaces so that they can share those things that aren't natural for them to share in a space where they believe people wouldn't hold them accountable, not accountable, but people wouldn't judge them for who they are and what they bring to the world. And so we created this campaign called Fatherhood is Brotherhood that in order to be a great father, you had to be in a great brotherhood. And if you come into the brotherhood, once you're in the brotherhood, you will find all the things you need to be a great father. It was creating for us the same ecosystem for men that women are successful in when it comes to pooling resources and being and having friends to lean on and having mentors and having those things. And now that we've created this space, here in Atlanta for these fathers to come into, they're coming in because it is, from what we're hearing from them, the thing that they seek most, right? Before they even think about having to deal with the child support officer or deal with their employer or deal with their PO or deal with, you know, whoever it is they're dealing with, they're always looking first, where can I go and feel safe before I go to those other people? And so what has worked for us is that these guys are coming into the ecosystem and they're finding their brotherhood. They're finding their overall tribe, which is fathers, but they're also finding their intimate tribes. And these intimate tribes are other men who are going through the same things they're going through and are at different stages of that journey. Either they're at the stage where they're just beginning, they're in the middle of their mess, or they've come out of their mess and they've been able to connect with fathers that allow them to be able to lean on. And so oftentimes in our program, people have asked us, do we do mentorship? And I was like, no, we don't do mentorship. We do men leaning. And so not men supporting. Men leaning to me means being in the midst of a tribe of men, other men who have similar likes to you, so that you're in close proximity of having someone to lean on. 
not someone to support you up, but when you need someone to just lean in on or to lean on and get information, get advice, get inspiration, that that person is there. And I think that's been the biggest reason for our success, particularly within our Gentle Warriors Academy. So for Fathers Incorporated right now, I mean, you've got a lot of things going on. You've been doing them for many years. As you look within the next, let's say, immediate next year to the next five years, next 10 years, what is the direction? What's the direction for Fathers Incorporated? Where are you going? For us to scale, to figure out how to take what we're successful at in the small areas that we're successful in, and to be able to take those into other areas around the country and even around the world, how do we continue to expand the whole notion that in order to serve men, you have to create these safe havens for them. You have to create an ecosystem that believes and understands their essentialness and being in the lives of their children, that this is just not another additional service to your program, that this is a much needed aspect if you are going to be serious about child well-being, if you're going to be serious about women's health and their well-being, that if you're going to be focused on family dynamics, that you cannot be focused on improving the aspects of family dynamics if you do not include fathers. And so as far as we have come in this work in elevating this conversation of responsible fatherhood, we have so much further to go because people still don't get it. They're still trying to understand why. Why would you even want to waste your time working with fathers? There are people that feel and still feel that fathers aren't relevant in the lives of their children and that they have no impact on their children. And I often say this to them just to round out the answer to your question. The reason that fatherlessness or father absence is so devastating in the life of a child is not because that presence is not valuable. It is the value of that present that presence that makes those situations so hard and difficult to get through. And so if absence didn't matter, then fathers wouldn't matter. But because father absence matters, it's an indicator that fathers matter. And so it's just a really challenge for us over the next 10 to 15 years to get to a place where we don't have to prove our worthiness and our essentialness to society anymore. Now, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our Fatherhood Five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. In one word, what is fatherhood? Beauty. When was the time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? When my daughter says to me that I am the example of who they want to be connected with for the rest of their lives. Now, if I was to talk to your daughters and ask them, how would they describe you as a dad? Hardworking, focused, and compassionate. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? My wife. Like, I always tell people that I measure the success of my manhood by how it resonates through my wife. Like, my wife is the indicator on how well I'm doing at being a father, how well I'm doing at being a husband, and how well I'm doing at being a man. So while my children are important for that measurement, I think my ultimate measurement of my own worthiness as a man, as a husband, as a father, is my wife. And you've given a lot of piece of advice today. You've talked about a lot of different things, things that you are doing personally, things that you're doing to help other dads. 
In finishing up today, what's one piece of advice that you'd want to give to every dad? I bang this particular drum all the time. And it is stay in the game. Like, don't allow your disappointments. Don't allow what you believe you can't do. Don't allow what you believe people don't want you to do. Don't allow what people don't expect of you. That there is only one person that you have to answer to at the end of the day when it comes to your fatherhood. And it is going to be your children. You do not want your children to ever have to ask you, why you didn't fight harder for me. Leave no child on the field. And yeah, a lot of it may be unfair. It may be unfair for a long time, but no matter how unfair it is, do not stop fighting the battle because those battle scars are what will turn into your beauty scars once your relationship with your child becomes exactly the way that a relationship is meant to be. Now, Kenneth, if people want to find out more about you or more about Fathers Incorporated, where's the best places for them to go? You know, it's very simple for us. As the young people say, Google me. You know, I'm all over the place. And so if you Google Google Fathers Incorporated, you will find all of our websites and all of our social media platforms. You can also go to our website at fathersincorporated.com. You can also go to our direct service site, which is fatherhoodisbrotherhood.com. That is where we provide direct services for our dads. We're on all the platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and and YouTube. And I also would encourage you to check out our podcast as well, um, I Am Dad Podcast. And you can go to any of the uh, familiar podcast platforms to find I Am That podcast. And I'll just very quickly will say that the reason that we started that is because we wanted to bring forth the professional side of the responsible fatherhood field to begin to start putting evidence on why fatherhood is so important. And so rarely when I see, or not rarely, but when I'm listening to podcasts, what I'm not hearing oftentimes are those folks who are in the background doing research and doing studies and doing all of those other things that are happening on on around dads and who are practitioners and who are p- folks in the governmental space and other spaces who are pushing responsible fatherhood in the legislatures that are doing that stuff. Those voices need to be heard as well. And that was an area that we felt we wanted to jump all over. Well, Kenneth, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for being here today for all the work that you're doing, not only as a father yourself, but the work that you're doing to help other fathers, to connect them, to lift them up, to help them to be the best dads that they can be, because that's what we all need to be doing is to help each other. And I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. 
We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be